Open Vino Week, episode 24, brought to you by Vino 101. Welcome to Vino Week, I'm Bill. Hello, everybody. Uh, Al here. Glad everybody's here uh, listening to us. Uh, we're excited because uh, it's autumn and uh, the holidays are approaching. <laughs> yeah, it's drinking season, one might say. <laughs> Time to bust out the bubbly. Yes. Although, as we'll talk about another illuminary who is constantly having a tailgate party. Love that. You know, there's always there's always time to uh, to to uh, party. Let's uh, put a hint in. Drives yellow cars, yellow hot rods. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. We'll see if we can figure that out before we, we can get figure there. that out. Yeah. Um. All right. So what's going on this week? What went on last week? I guess is probably a better statement. Yeah. The biggest thing is the Wine Spectator uh, has come out with their top ten reveal top top uh, 10 wines of the year, which is a, you know, it's a very big deal. They've been doing it since 1988. And, uh, I mean, could they have gotten more press? <laughs> I don't think so. It's I mean, all over. It's yeah. everywhere. I mean, so first of all, I mean, so one thing I want to say about all this is there's a handful of people who work a wine spectator that rate these wines and then they determine the list. <laughs> so when you, when you look at this thing, just keep that in mind. And, yeah. you know, so this is, you know, I mean, there are tastemakers in a sense, but, you know, drink what you like. Yeah, drink what you like. And as, as I look at the list, uh, there are, well, of the wines that are on the list, I haven't tried any of them because they're recent releases. But I have tried the wines in the past from four of the producers. So, no, five, excuse me, five. But some of them uh, I'm just totally unfamiliar with. So uh, should we go through them? Uh, should we go uh, 10, 10, to, 10 to 1? Cause yeah. Because the, yeah. the number, number 10 is really interesting to me. It's yeah. a wine from South Africa. Yeah, and it's a dessert wine. Yeah, and I think that's the first time a wine from South Africa has broken into the top 10 of the Wine Spectator. I'd have to look back and find out. But it's Klein Constantia Vin de Constance. And it's um, it's a dessert wine that's uh, made from uh, Muscat de Frontignan grapes. And it's expensive, dude. <laughs> it's a half bottle's 80 bucks. Yeah, I mean... Anyway, so uh, I'm not sure that I'm going to be. I, I would like to try it, but you know, I'm sure there's other wines that we could find that would uh, would fit fit the bill. But uh, they do have an interesting thing. If you go, um, we'll post it on the site. We'll put a link to it. If you want to find out a lot about who makes the wine, how the estate was uh, started, and blah blah blah, there's videos for each one of the wines. Yeah, they're. they're I mean, these things are super well covered. Yeah, but. Uh, Anyway, really a dessert wine? Anyway, that's all I have to say about that. Okay, strong statement, Bill. I mean, really? $80 dessert wine, number 10? Okay, you guys are on it. Um, So number nine is the Clos Forte, which is from Santa Million. It's uh, the 2012 vintage. So uh, France, this is the only bottle that came from France. And, you know, I've always say... We're all copying what they do in France. Well, apparently we're doing pretty good because they got aced out with only one entry in the top ten. Right. But this is a 47-acre uh, vineyard uh, walled in, hence the term clos. And uh, I would imagine it's a pretty decent wine <laughs> to make it into this group. Well, it's a you know it's a grand cru classé. Yeah, this is the real thing. So I mean, it's it's a you know it's a blend. We've talked about this in other podcasts. It's um, you know it's Cabernet Merlot, Cabernet Franc. It's uh, predominantly uh, Merlot, and it's rounded out with a little Cabernet and Which, Cabernet Franc. Uh, you know, so I would like if you haven't tried a Bordeaux and you wanna, you know, you wanna you know try a world class Bordeaux and you wanna plunk the money down. You know, this is probably not a bad thing to try. Yeah, it's seventy-two bucks, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's but a it's, nice splurge bottle. Yeah, it's a splurge bottle, and this is going to be, um, you know, probably you know really true to type in terms of what a you know a Bordeaux. Um, but it's probably meant to be put down. Yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, it's. You know, yeah, I mean, they're they're typically not made to consume right away, um, but I, you know, 
or even going in and buying, um, you know, um, you know, this wine from an earlier vintage. That's what I would suggest. Go out and, uh, you know, cause they're on the market, just go out and find something from, you know, and if you don't want to spend that type of money, find something from the 2007 vintage, maybe, uh, 2009. Yeah. A, ten a little year bit old, more approachable. Yeah. A 10 year old bottle. Um, and the other thing is like, be aware, like if you haven't had a Bordeaux, there's a lot going on in the bottle. It's, it, you know, I often hear from people, oh, I went to a restaurant and we bought a, you know, we had this, you know, we had this wine a lot of times it's a Bordeaux and they, um, you know, they'll say stuff like it was horrible. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, and not trying to sound like a snob, it's like you probably don't understand what's going on in the bottle. Um, you know, my, my wife had this experience last week. She opened a bottle, a, a Bordeaux blend called a red wine after they had had a bottle or two of Pinot. That's a mistake. And I'm like, what? You know, so first of all, I'm kind of like hacked off because it's like, why are you opening? You know, and the wine was the 10-year-old wine. Yes. And I'm like, why are you opening this wine? I'm like, it, 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 she said it didn't taste very good. I'm like, of course it did. You're drinking Fruit Bomb Pinot. And then you have this this wine that's, it, it's, they're, ah, I just, so like, don't do that. Yeah. yeah she's drinking the wines out of order. But, you know, hey. Yeah. Well, it's just happens. I guess my, my point is I'm going to taste good. Yeah. You know, your experience, your experience, you had the experience you, you shopped for anyway, but back to this thing, like don't, um, you know, the other thing I'll tell you, if you haven't had this is make sure you open it and let it breathe. Yeah. This is decanter wine. I, yeah. I mean, I really wouldn't suggest people go out and buy this and just, you know, pop it open, you know, a week later. I mean, it's, it's way too young. It's what you're saying. It's just way too young. Get an older vintage, but you know you you have to buy it now if you want to try it. Actually, these wines, you know, all of these wines on this list, the top ten, you're not going to be able to find them anyway. These are they're pretty small production, and the list came out, I believe, on I want to say a couple of days ago. Uh oh, how's that, Bill? Oh, that's me. I opened uh, the next one up. Okay, I mean, so, got um, some. Trying but to stay the, ahead of you. But anyway, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. But the wines, uh, they I lost my train of thought. What was I saying? You're talking about not opening them up. Not going okay. you can't so, you can't get these things basically. Yeah, you're not gonna be able to get these wines because there's there's such small production. You know, this one actually, uh, since it's a Bordeaux, I would imagine it's probably let's see if I can find out. I bet you it's probably got some pretty good production on it. I would imagine I'm going to guess before I find it here. I'm going to guess that it's at least 15,000 cases. Let's see. Oh, I was way wrong. <laughs> 3,500 cases. All right. We're not going to find that. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the bummer about this list. But what's good about the list is you see these wines and, you know, none of the wines on this list are going to be dogs. So you can find other wines that these properties make from other years or possibly other types of wines from this same year, and you're going to get a good quality wine. So that's the that's the way I would lean and go. What's the next one, Bill? Uh, I Well, I don't want to open the thing because oh, okay. it's going to start playing, but it's an Amarone. Um, see, it's, uh, it's uh, Bio, Bio Amarone. By Sergio Alighieri. Uh, this is actually by the Mazi family, and uh, it's uh, or it's a Mazi group. Uh, the family that owns it is the Boscaini, and it's uh, Sandro is the dad, and he's got a couple of brothers. Oh, excuse me, a, a couple of sons, uh, Raffaele, and what's the other son? I can't think of the other son. And he's got, I think he's got a daughter too. Um, but anyway. This guy is like the ambassador of Amarone. I'm an ambassador. Yeah, and he's he's credited with actually bottling the first bottles of Amarone back in the 60s. So he's been at it a while. Um, he speaks really good English because he's been touring for, you know, 40 years, seems right. like. And um, uh, there's a – I haven't seen a video on this, but you all heard the music. Right. It's, I, a, it's a 2008 – which is kind of nice. So they hold on to their wines for a while before they release them. 
Uh, a lot of Amarones you'll see out right now are going to be from the 2009-2010 vintage. So uh, they hold under, wine's a little bit longer. 3,750 cases, 85 bucks a bottle. If you care about scores, we don't, but if you do, a 95 score, 95 out of 100. Right. Uh, you know, it's going to be a good bottle. They make an old style. I haven't had, I've had uh, previous vintages of this wine, and they make a more traditional style Amarone. What does that mean? Um, it's not the fruit bomb, super modern style. So they, um, they put it in, um, it's aged in, uh, large, uh, Slavonian oak barrels versus a lot of the, uh, the newer styles are done in, uh, new French barriques, French. which give them that real super smooth, uh, I call it, um, uh, sappy, uh, luxurious kind of uh, feel and, and, and glean to it. So it's, it's more, more old world style. Right. And should and, I uh, be, should I be having food with this wine or just drinking it straight? Um, I, I think it's really, really food friendly. I, you know, it just goes great with beef and stews like, uh, you know, like a, it's, it's an Amarone time of year. <laughs> so yeah, it's, I mean, that wine is designed to uh, cut fat, um, probably just really complement sort of those heavy dishes. Yeah. And you get, I mean, you're going to get that, that cherry, uh, you know, that obviously you'll get that cherry, you'll get that tobacco-y, yeah. uh, dark chocolatey kind of, you get all that. Yeah. That, from that Slovenian oak, you're going to get all those notes of that. Yeah. So I, I would yeah. definitely, uh, 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 beef with that. We went out to, um, you know what it would be good with? We went to, uh, Starks the other night. Oh, and uh, yeah, the, I love the company expense account, man. It's the only, <laughs> you know, that's yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we we're at Starks. We had a great meal. Service was a little slow. You know, between you'd get the meal. I don't know if it's by design or not. We got there Wednesday. We got there Wednesday. Uh, it was Wednesday evening, and it was early. We figured we go early. We don't need reservations. We popped in. It was a little after five. The place was packed. Yeah, they have they have so Starks is a is a steakhouse in Santa Rosa, California. They have the best happy hour in the uh, in the area. Yeah, I, I don't know what we're thinking. So we thought we could slide into the dining room, and it's yeah. like, uh, yeah, we got a table for you around eight fifteen. Oh, we'll be it's, passed out and on the floor by then. Yeah, yeah. Well, you managed to hang in there though. <laughs> yeah, we got in. <laughs> so, there you go. but this wine would be great with the steak. I had <laughs> had one of their aged New Yorkers, man. Hands down, one of the best takes I've had in a long time. So what's up next? We gotta we gotta get through this list. A New here. Zealand Pinot. New Zealand Pinot. What's it called? A coupe uh, by Escarpment. Um, ah, yes. And uh, so this wine you can drink right, right away if you get it. Yep. Um, there's been some. There's been talk. I've heard talk of people making Pinot that you can put down. But anyway, this is, uh, this is made by a guy named Larry McKenna. He's a winemaker and he's known as the godfather of New Zealand Pinot. Yep. He uses whole, five, 500 cases imported yeah. in the U S. So like, good luck finding this thing. Yeah. We're not going to find that either. Like we said before, uh, I mean, I'm not saying you're not going to find it. It's just going to be quite the hunt. <laughs> put it that way. Uh, how many millions of people live in the United States and how many drink wine? <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, it's going to be, uh, you know what? And I bet you, I mean, how much of that, those 500 cases went to a restaurant wine list? Exactly. You know, so you probably, I mean, you probably can't get this, but you're going to pay 140 bucks for it. Maybe. Yeah. Very few retailers would get their hands on this. Yeah. You got to really know somebody. Yeah. You and I mean, one case. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, and it's probably going to be sold for 140 150 bucks on a wine list for a Pinot. Anyway, um, it's there if you want it. It's there. How do you feel about the $150 Pinot on the wine list? I mean, that's nothing new around here. That's pretty, you know, that's uh, you kind can of normal. Get some pretty, uh, I, I, you can find Pinot. I would say, knowing a little bit about that grape, that you can buy Pinot for 50 bucks that will rival that bottle. Oh, for sure. And also, you could buy them from uh, the same area. Yeah. There's lots of New Zealand Pinot Noir that's just excellent. It just hasn't come on. This is from the North Island, by the way. 
the guy uses uh, his big claim to fame. You know, he, like you say, he's the godfather of uh, Pinot Noir. He uses whole cluster fermentation, which means instead of a lot of times when um, let's just say we'll use Cabernet for an example, when um, wine, wineries or winemakers make Cabernet, sometimes they don't want any stems in in the the vat. Yeah, so I know a wine. Yeah, I know a winemaker will pick individual berries. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, you know, he's the opposite of that. He puts the whole thing in there, <laughs> you know, the whole cluster together and does it that way. And that way, you know, he feels that he gets that concentration that he's looking for in his Pinot Noir. Uh, if I see it around, I'd like to give it a try, but uh, moving on, I guess. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I would try it. I would try it, no doubt. Uh, next wine is a Ribera del Duro. Oh, yes. Lots of good wines from that area. Um, so we're, we're moving on to Spain. Yep. Uh, Bodegas Alto. Um, this is probably, and you know, $54. $54. Uh, Mariano Garcia. And he, he was a winemaker at Vega Silica for 30 years, and he founded this wine. That's Cecilia. Alto. Uh, Cecilia. Yeah. Um, uh, he founded this winery, Alto, um, with a partner. And they, they've been doing this since 99. So it sounds like this guy's just, you know, continually um, um, refining his craft. I'm trying to see if I can see production numbers anywhere. Uh, 2,400 cases. Yeah, I'm uh, guessing this is a super, super, super concentrated wine uh, because, I mean, it's from the 2012 vintage, which was really, really hot yeah, in that I, area. Yeah. And they don't do any, you know, they don't, they can't turn on the drip irrigation. <laughs> the vines just got to, like, you know, deal with it. Right. Um, but it's a typical Ribeiro de, de Duero, uh, 20 months and 85% uh, French oak. And the uh, actually, I should guess. Atypical, actually, twenty months and eighty-five percent uh, French oak, and the rest in American. Typically, it's the other way around. And uh, got a score of ninety-four, fifty-four bucks. Yeah, I would like to try this wine. Yeah, yeah, this uh, that, that looks like that would be, and you could probably they make a, a number of wines on this property, so you could get something that's close to it for probably half the price that's made in the same house. Hey, so, one one thing I didn't uh, we should mention that. We haven't yet. Um, you know, uh, all other things aside, there's actually some really great um, uh, education information on this on these sites. You know, they typically will have, in addition to the information we're talking about here, but I, you know, they also have information about the particular region um, uh, where the wines come from. Well, there's the page is just full of stuff. So, and it's uh, uh, it also has recipes and tasting notes. So, there's a lot of really good info. You know, this is you know top ten list. You can get um, obviously an idea of some wines to try and the vintages uh, to try them from. Like, if you, I bet you, if you just Google one of these wineries it will come up with other wineries that are selling similar product from the same region. So you, yeah. know, you can kind of triangulate and get an idea what these things should taste like. Yeah. You could really geek out on the site. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of places to go. They've got uh, food matches and just all kinds of cool stuff. So, uh, you know, number five, Mount Eden vineyards. Yeah. This is one of my favorite, uh, producers of Chardonnay. So I'm just Santa surprised Cruz. that they're, I'm not surprised that they're, on the list, but that's <laughs> like, now it's really going to be hard to find. Yeah. But whenever I go to family winemakers, I always make a note to try the Mount Eden vineyard wines. Yeah. It's, uh, um, it, uh, it's good. They're saying, so they're saying, so they're saying that this is sort of their best effort. And if you've ever had these wines before you, they, they this thing's going to be pretty dynamite. <laughs> Yeah, they, they wines rock. They've been doing it for a while. I mean, I, I think the guy that's the winemaker there has been there since, like, the 80s. Yeah. But the, um, th- this wine, the grapes are grown in the Santa Cruz Mountains. There's a reason it's called Mount Eden. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it, it looks over Silicon Valley proper, 
you know, and it's, I mean, it's some pretty uh, expensive real estate to be growing grapes, to be quite honest. Right. right. But uh, the, the vineyard was planted originally by um, a collaboration between uh, Paul Maison and uh, Martin Ray. And I believe Martin Ray worked for uh, Paul Maison, but this was, they planted these vines, I want to say back in like the 50s. And if you ever get an opportunity to try some of the older bottlings made by Martin Ray, I mean, by, by him, I mean, they're just, he was one of the first guys that actually made decent Pinot Noir, Pinot Noir that would, would make you stand up and take notice. So um, there's a lot of uh, history behind the property. And uh, there's a, a fair, a decent amount of this wine was made. It's almost a little short of 2,000 cases were made. And it's 60 bucks. If you're looking for a Chardonnay to impress the boss at a dinner or uh, to impress someone at a party, this is the bottle to get. If you are thinking about a future mother-in-law and going to Thanksgiving, bring her this bottle or a bottle from this winery of Chardonnay. The only problem is you always have to bring that when next time you see That's her. Okay. Comes- That's okay. That's cheap. <laughs> What money well spent on that is cheap, cheap. (laughs) I guess you're right. So, uh, Jeffrey Patterson is the winemaker there, and uh, on the site here says he's been there since 1981. So, there you go. If you do something that long, you're bound to get pretty darn good at it. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're an expert, right? So, you know, it's uh, it's great. I, you know, I I love seeing wines like this because I know them well on the list. Yeah, Um, yeah, this is a typical. Uh, California wine done with the French oak, the full malolactic, uh, just, it's just deliciousness in a bottle. <laughs> so try to find that if you can get on it right away. I'm going to try to find some of that <laughs> today. Go out. Fine. <laughs> All right. Number four. I have had this one, I believe. What's number four, Bill? Um, not this specific wine, but I have had wine from this producer. It's a Brunello de Montecholino. And I, I don't know how the double G's pronounced in uh, in Italian. Um, it's, il, go ahead. It's, it's Il Pogioni. It is Pogioni. Okay. Um, this is okay. um, this is probably going to be a pretty awesome um, Brunello de Montecchiano. Yeah, it's a Brunello de Montecchino. I know it's a tongue twister. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it's the Francesi family. So I'm saying that right? Uh, Francesi. Francesi. Yeah. You're getting an Italian lesson today, Bill. I know I am. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I have a big smile on my face. I think it's awesome. Um, I'm just doing a quick scan here. 320 acres, um, 1,800 cases made. It doesn't say if they're actually imported. Yeah, uh, no, that all of that's not coming over here. But a good portion, obviously, uh, the U.S. is is the I think the largest market for Brunello de Montalcino. Uh, the guy that runs the show really bigger than Italy. Oh yes, for sure. Yeah, this is the bigger market. Just in terms of number, the quantity. Yes, quantity. Yes. Um, so, but I'm sure the Italians keep all the best wine for themselves. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I would. <laughs> I would. All Go ahead. You wine, probably wine producing areas do that. You probably the, the guys that run this. They have a great uh, website. I haven't followed it in a while, but um, uh, Alessandro Bendacci. He's he works with his father uh, Fabrizio, and they run the estate. And Alessandro does a really cool blog all year round about what's going on on the estate, like what they do. You know, and why they do it. It's it's really, you know, kind of gives you a, a lot of insight into how, you know, the wine is made before it actually even gets to the winery, before the grapes get there. And the only other people that I know that do that, I mean, there's a lot of wineries that do it, but but that do it well is I know Tablas Creek does that also, kind of the same thing, where they, you know, they really uh, take you through the, the grape growing process and what it takes to actually make good grapes so that you can make a good wine. So I, and I remember, uh, Etienne Hugel used to do that as well. I don't know if he's still doing that. That was yep. a number of years ago, but he was, and he, they were pretty early digitally, you know, talking about what was going on in their winery. You can learn, you can learn so much, but this wine is from the 2010 vintage, which is the blockbuster, uh, uh, the vintage of this, uh, century so far anyway. And 
you can, it's hard to go wrong buying a 2010 wine from t- the Tuscany region. So, and, and these guys, they've, they've done it for, for such a long time. This Brunello, it's, I uh, believe it's, well, it's 100% Sangiovese. So that's by law. And, uh, I, I've tried, I've already had the wine. You've had the wine too, right, Bill? Yeah, I have. Yeah. It's, uh, it's I mean, very, they come to Gambero, right? I mean, that's where yeah, Gambero yeah. Rosso. I mean, I recognize the label right off. So, um, and I, you know, there's pictures of, uh, of, um, I can't remember their names now, the father and son that run the winery. Mm-hmm. Um, they, and I, I, I swear I recognize them. <laughs> yeah, you, you might. Well, he gets around. You I mean, know. the wine, just so you know, I mean, it's it's typical it Sangiovese. It's got that, you're going to get that uh, earthy, uh, you get plums, uh, that, that that black plum fruit, a little cherry, licorice, a little earth and leather, you know, that whole, I mean, it's, it's just. It's, it's a true-to-type wine, and it's going to be very well put together and structured, and it's just going to, it's it's a great wine. Yeah, and it, and it actually, it drinks really well now. But oh, heck, you can you know you can sell it for ten years. for a while. It's, drink, it's drinking good now. You can hold on to it. Yeah, and it'll be drinking good then too. <laughs> so. Uh, so this is a fun wine to buy um, to buy a couple of bottles so that you can do that. Yeah, so it's eighty five bucks. So I'll have to gee maybe. Uh, oh, come on, special wine. You got you know you spend a. 200 bucks, you buy three bottles and you taste them over 10 years. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Special yeah. occasions, you know. It's, I know it's people a, that'll plan that stuff out. Hey, I'm buying this wine. I'm going to do it. I'm going to open it on this date for this this occasion. Then all it takes is willpower. You know, the smart people put them out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> well, what I do is I have, them in a, I have them stored in a spot where... You really have to go looking, kind of, because they're not, you know, typically you could label them where you could see them. Yes. Mine, they're stored, yet you have to kind of, like, really look around to find it. So that kind of keeps it away from my hands. That that's works for, out. That's for sure. That's so number three is... Uh, an Oregon Pinot. Mm. Oregon. So I don't... Were there any... Uh, I didn't notice that they had talked about, um, you know, Oregon actually... Oregon's representation on the list, but um, hey, look, Oregon Pinots definitely bring something to the table. They've been doing it for quite a while up there, making it for quite a while up there. Um, you know, eleven uh, eleven hundred and seventy six cases made, seventy dollar Pinot, ninety eight score. So this thing's got to be put together pretty, pretty. Um, yeah, it's it's really got to be uh, a, a pretty intense wine. Uh, it's got some help from a uh, French consultant, uh, Dominique Lafont, which uh, that adds a little uh, nice flavor to it. There, it's uh, it says what? Uh, it says Seven Springs Vineyard. I'm not familiar with that. I'm not either. But it's a 2012. 2012 was uh, heralded as one of the one of the best vintages in a while for uh, for the Oregon uh, area. So. Uh, don't know much about it, but uh, it uh, made it into the top three, so it's got to be pretty zing and good. Yeah, and it didn't make very much of it. One thousand one hundred seventy-six cases. Yeah, so we got a better chance of finding this one because we're over here on the left coast. Yeah, than we do. Um, than we do anywhere else. Wonder- and then, and then number two, kind of transitioning number two. It's a great segue. A Washington wine, a Washington cab from the Columbia Valley. Going a little further north. Yeah, and um, $140 uh, bottle of wine, 4,125 cases, and it's a Quilceta Creek. Um, yeah, I haven't had that. I've had other wines from Quilceta Creek, and they're dynamite. The one thing I noticed on this was the alcohol is listed at 15.2, and I've had other wines where the alcohol was high like that or listed that way. You cannot tell. The wine is so well made and so so fantastic, so fantastically integrated that you, you you would have no idea that the alcohol is that high. But these these grapes for this wine, it's all I believe this is one hundred percent Cabernet Sauvignon, 
come from uh, uh, Horse Heaven Hills, uh, the Shampoo Vineyard, uh, Clipson Vineyard, and uh, I think there's another vineyard. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Now that's you know that's a restaurant wine. You know that's a an expense account wine. That's a three hundred three hundred fifty dollar bottle at the table. Yeah, it's uh, Columbia Valley. It'll be awesome, I'm sure. And so, what's the number one wine, Bill? Peter Michael Cabernet Sauvignon Oakville. We've we've talked about uh, Peter before, haven't we? Have we? I I can't remember. Okay. Well, uh, Peter Michael, uh, he's an Englishman. Uh, Peter Michael Winery, uh, this Englishman founded a winery. It's in uh, Knights Valley, which is uh, kind of between, it's on the Sonoma side. It's between, uh, oh gosh, Geyserville and say Calistoga, kind of the halfway. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, yeah, it's that's uh, all right. Yeah. And then Knights Valley is also a, uh, Knights Valley Road is a cycling, sort of cycling destination route. Oh yeah, that's a great. Uh, a, I call it the Porsche Road. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just a, it's a, it's an awesome road to ride on. Whether you're in a high performance sports car, like a Porsche, um, a Porsche, um, or a high performance bicycle. <laughs> um, so anyway, anyway, I mean that's uh, to plug Sonoma County. That's one of the great things about Sonoma County is you can drink wine and you can also do things like ride um, awesome biking roads. Um, yeah. Uh, not sure. unlike you would find in Europe, but back to this wine. Um, Seventeen hundred eighty-five cases made, one hundred ninety-five dollars. Um, I assume it's the. I can't see the vineyard it's from. Is it from the Paradise Vineyard, the Au Paradis? It's uh, Au Paradis. Au Paradis. Thank you. Got to put a little French in there. No, and uh, <laughs> those S's are always silent. He um, actually, most of the wines they make come from Sonoma. They make a lot of uh, uh, really uh, fantastic Chardonnay and Pinot Noir uh, off of the West Coast, the far West Coast here in Sonoma County. I guess you'd call it, um, I don't know what you'd call it, but way out towards the water. And the guy tried, I think when he first came over back in the 80s, he wanted to buy some land in Napa Valley, but it was too darn expensive. And that's how he ended up, you know, in, um, in the valley where he is now. But... This is his first wine that I think he's ever made from Napa Valley or had made from Napa Valley. Well, that's and the cool, vineyard, yeah. The, yeah. yeah, the vineyard's interesting. He bought the vineyard from uh, uh, the, the Shokits, and uh, they've had it forever. Uh, but the Shokits used to uh, they used to sell their wines or their vines and grapes to their grapes to Camus, uh, Schaefer, and uh, Dalaval. And they make some pretty good wines at those places. Yeah, and you know, so an Oakville cab, right? It's been around since. I mean, as this article says, eighteen eighties. Um, so, so, so his vineyard is basically it's right there in the in the golden vein, which I call it. We've talked. I've talked about this before. Yeah. In Oakville, you've got uh, you've got Swanson, uh, Plump Jack, Silver Oak. Uh, you've got uh, Joseph Phelps. <laughs> Harlan, Screaming Eagle, Mojave, Opus right, One, yeah, right, Opus, what, right in that zone. I mean, that's the spot, man. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, so world class. Um, it would be interesting to go back and see. I don't know how long this list is, or if you could easily get to this data, but how many wineries that, how many Oakville cabs have been in the top ten on this list since its inception? Yeah, there's got to be just a number of them. Yeah, yeah that I mean, would be interesting. You're pulling awesome fruit out of this vineyard, and you know it's really just a matter of you know not trying to mess it up yeah. um, or just let it express itself. Um, and so, what does that mean in normal terms? It means when you make the wine, you don't do anything other than try try to um, let nature take its course and just have the grapes you know ferment and taste like you know like they would if you you know didn't alter them. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, follow the winemaking process, and knowing, hey, you know, this this fermentation tastes like 
X. And if I put it in Oak, it's really going to be, you know, if I put it in this kind of Oak for this long, it's going to be awesome. So uh, uh, let me say another way, minimal processing in the grape. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll give an example to people. Um, the, okay. So they made, uh, 1,785 cases of this and it's priced at just shy of $200 a bottle. Got a score 96. You know, there's a lot of care that goes into getting this. They, you know, they probably paid, yeah, I'm guessing probably 12, 13, 14, $15,000 a ton for these grapes because of where they come from. I don't know. I'm just guessing that's what it would be. A typical uh, ton of grapes, of Cabernet grapes from a good area in Napa, you're going to pay probably maybe four or 5,000. So they're paying like three, maybe three, four times what you pay. Yeah. So it's, it's super, super, super high quality stuff uh, versus, you know, we just, uh, we just picked up a wine from Trader Joe's the other day. My wife went into the wine. She went into the wine uh, area while I was waiting in line and she's looking around. I look over and I go, what's Terry doing? Cause I buy all the wine, you know, <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm quiet right now. I'm like, this is, <laughs> Wow. Awesome. And I, I typically don't buy wine at Trader Joe's, but and, and that's no knock on any of the wines at Trader Joe's. It's, they may have some wonderful wines there. Um, uh, disclaimer. You probably you're probably a strategic um, purchaser in that you know what you want to taste. So exactly. As, as opposed to going in and browsing, you're probably going in and trying to find a particular wine. That's correct. Different type Thank, of consumer. Well said. Thank you. Different type of consumer. So my uh, my wife found a really uh, nice bottle. It's called Cocobon. Or Cocobone, C-O-C-O-B-O-N. And the way she found it was she went up to the guy that was a clerk there. Or actually, he came up to her and asked if, if uh, uh, he could help her. And she said, oh, no. And then she thought about it for a second. She said, well, yeah, he can help me. So she went to him and she asked him. She says, I'm looking for a wine that uh, you know has a, 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 a dark fruit profile, profile and has um, a lot of chocolate flavors. And the guy goes, oh, okay. So he came up with the wine for her based on what she'd asked for. And uh, she loves it. <laughs> She's ready to buy so, case. I mean, that's uh, so like awesome for the store to have that dialed in. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I guess my point is this wine, the Peter Michael wine, you know, what's the difference as long as you're enjoying the wines, I mean, you're going to enjoy that wine and you could probably enjoy the Coca uh, just as well. Although the Coca is made in a, in a more, um, uh, you know, it's just, it's just made in a different way. It's made from grapes in the Central Valley. Um, you know, there's probably uh, there's a pro- probably a little bit more winemaking, if you know what I mean, going on with making the wine. And, uh, you know, to each his own. What you like is what you like. This is a really, really good list. I'm looking at I'm, – I'm excited to see the top 100, and I think they're going to release that in a couple of days. And I know for retailers it's a big deal to get wines in your store that are on the top 100. So there'll be a mad rush to get these wines. Yeah. They're, um, and you know, and that, yeah. And that's the name of the game in the, in the retail business is wine allocation. Yeah. yeah. You know, being able to get allocated some of these wines and cause they'll bring people in the store. For sure. Well, so we move on to, uh, our tea sex section. <laughs> sure. The, the the yellow uh, the yellow hot rod driving uh, entrepreneur. What's his name? Yeah, Guy Fieri. Guy Fieri. Are you sure it's not Fieri? Yeah, it actually says this in the uh, article. They he he literally wrote it out as it's pronounced. I can't see it right now. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yes, Mister Diner's drive-ins and dives, and evidently he's got another show on grocery store thing which kind of sounds like I don't know some kind of mashup between prices right and you know some supermarket thing yeah but I mean this article is he's about to release his wines so he's got a winery um, named after his two sons and um, I, we've talked about his winery being rejected by uh, the county um it was the 76 page list of restrictions for the initial plan. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, uh, um, anyway, so there's a couple of things about, so the article is actually pretty entertaining because they're talking about how, 
you know, he, he's maintaining his public persona. It talks about the little details he has in his house, including the turtle they have, um, talks about taking his kids to school. Anyway, um, it was sort of anticlimactic as I'm going through this and it starts to dawn on me that the person they sent to try his wines has no experience in, in wine review at all. Yeah. Which actually, you know, as I'm thinking about it now, is probably not a bad thing, probably a smart thing to do from an editorial standpoint. But, uh, you know, I guess the wrap up is, is that I think he liked the Chardonnay, but, um, the other two wines, he didn't so much, but as he continued drinking, he liked them all. Yeah, they got they got better as he kept drinking. Yeah, and you know, great. You know, and he came back and there was like a party going on or something. So you know, I, you know, guys' whole guys' whole point about the wine is is this is wine to to be had in that context. You know, to, to you know, um, you can you you can have it wherever, but you know, it's I don't want to call it a party wine, but it's you know, it's wine to be shared um, uh, at gatherings. I guess Let's say it that way. Well, at the very at the very start of it, I mean, it's a seventy five dollar bottle of red wine, and then he's got a quote. Uh, he's making this wine because he digs quote bomb ass Pinot <laughs> unquote. So, I would imagine it's it's probably got some wood behind it as far as the aging. Yeah. Hey, I'd like to. I'll try. I mean, if he's got a place to go try this wine, I'll go try him. What the heck. Yeah, did you see that? Uh, they got a picture of him uh, kind of in the middle of the article. I don't think I've ever seen a glass that big yeah. <laughs> with wine in it. Did you see that glass? Yeah, you know, it's, it's as big as his head. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, you know, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, uh, that's the brand. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he drops a lot of... Uh, a lot of uh, expletives in the article. It's, G, it's a GQ article, by the way. So yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's entertaining. So it's interesting to see the wine. I wonder where he makes it because I mean he tried so hard to get his winery in, but it just was not going to happen. Where I didn't. It's just the climate's not right. We'll have to uh, we'll have to talk to our spies out there and see if they'll let us know. Yeah, we'll we'll be able we'll be able to find it. But I like the idea that he doesn't put his persona on the label, but on the back he does have a little signature thing that lets you know that it's his. Yeah. yeah. So he's trying to he's trying to be subtle about getting it on the market. So there we go. <laughs> on the uh, what's it called? What's the wine called? It's called Rider and what? Hunt, I'm, I'm, hunt and Rider. Um, hunt and Ride. Yeah, those are his two signs. And Rider with an R. Is it on ride? Oh. Is that you or me? I think it might be you. Uh-oh. Let's see what I can do about that. Okay. All right. Sorry about that. No worries. It happens. Modern technology. We yeah, we're awesome. We can try it. <laughs> so uh, where should we go from here, Bill? Um, I think there's a couple other things we probably want to uh, mention. So um, one is uh, – uh, well, there's two of them really sort of related. So we'll start with a punch article. Um, they did uh, uh, under $25 bottle um, wines to bring to Thanksgiving. Okay. Um, I don't know that we want to, you know, talk about all of them, but they're, um, you know, these are wines. I, what I always find about these great about these lists are they're. Uh, they may they may be varietals that I have not tried before, and they're certainly probably from um, um, winemakers and um, vineyards that I've never heard of or haven't been familiar with, or even regions I haven't been uh, familiar with. So I think it's always good. This is, these are always good to go learn about stuff. Yeah, open up the palate, so to speak. Yeah, it just well, just open up your. Uh, mind to just different, um, you know, different, you know, different flavors, different tastes. If if I'm going out and I'm having Thanksgiving dinner at, at somebody's house that I don't know, there's I mean, there's really only a couple things I'm going to consider taking. You know, first is going to be a, a sparkling wine of some type. I mean, who doesn't like sparkling wine? And it doesn't have to be champagne. It could be. Prosecco, cava, it could be uh, some New World uh, bubbly from California, something from New York. We've had good luck with French Cremant. 
Yes, Cromont. Yes, uh, sect. Uh, you know, there's just, just just like and bubbly is bottle, a good way to go. Yeah, and bottle goes, presentations. Yeah, you're just about to say that. And it goes with a lot of it goes with a lot of different things. I mean, through the meal. I mean, it goes with a bunch of different foods. Yeah. Uh, and then if I weren't going to do that, if if you pin me down, I would I would go and I would probably take a rosé <laughs> because you get the best of both worlds. You know, you got that flavor that you want uh, from the skins with the red wine, and you've got that nice, uh, you've got uh, that brightness that you usually get uh, with the white wine, and you're going to have that acidity that you're going to need to cut through all of that stuff that's going to be on the table. So those would be my choices. If I, if you had to force me on a third, maybe like, a, I don't know, like a Sauvignon Blanc or something from, you know, but it's got to be light and it's got to be understated. You know, because the food on the table, you don't want to show up the food. Yeah, that, I mean, that's true. That's and I know everyone says Pinot Noir, and I specifically picked those three <laughs> because... Because everybody says Pinot, yeah. Everyone takes Pinot, yeah. And it, and with good reason. Um, it's delicious. It's got the acidity that, play, that plays well as a foe against the foods that are on the table. And, uh, you know, it's easy to find. Where so, are we going? No, I don't. I don't have much more to say about this particular um, article, other than to um, than to check it out. Um, there's another article about bringing things to an office holiday party. Um, I actually thought the selections here were pretty, you know, pretty good, and uh, prices are a little high. Um, but you know, sort of, you know, champagne, uh, sort of a red blend. And, yeah, the uh, J.O. Rosé from yep. uh, from uh, from Veneto. Yep. It's Pinot, Pinot Nero, which is Pinot Noir, and Merlot. And, you know, it lists at 14 bucks. It says, heck, that ain't bad. So, no, and it'd be interesting. I, I, I'd be interesting to see if uh, my Pinot expert would enjoy that. You got to run it by her. And then they mentioned uh, uh, liquid. Well, they they break it into three things. Right. Your, your holiday, uh, off your office holiday party, uh, your in laws holiday party, and then your neighbor's holiday party. And you know, there's a little psychology behind this. Okay, if you're going to go to the office, you know, is your boss uh, is he the Wall Street type, or or is is he the one that hasn't cracked a smile since 1955? That's how it starts out. And it's like you don't want to bring a wine in that's going to show up the boss. You don't want to bring something that's too impressive because then everyone will think you're getting paid too much. That's <laughs> a great, it's like, okay, well, what should I bring? Where <laughs> take the sparkling wine. Yeah. Um, and, and for the in-laws, it's like, well, you want to, you know, you want to go all out, you know, cause you know, mom's going to be there. So you want to hook her up and to your point earlier. They uh, suggested the liquid farm golden slope, 2013, uh, Chardonnay, and uh, it says it's a scientific fact that 98.2 percent of all mother-in-laws love Chardonnay. Come on now, <laughs> moms of the world unite! So uh, that's probably on along the lines of that top uh, that Mount Eden Chardonnay. It's kind of in the same vein, made that same way. Toasty, creamy flavors, blah blah blah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be good. It's going to be good. Um, and then they got one for dad. If you want to um, impress dad, they've got the Tamarick Cellars Firehouse Red, which the description of it makes me want to try it. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, they, they, These are some of the words they use. Alpha male. Yeah. <laughs> Very manly. <laughs> Folgers coffee, Cuban cigars. Black cherry. Belt leather. Yeah. <laughs> I if, it doesn't, if it doesn't scream scary father-in-law. <laughs> so, yeah, that's going to totally blow the turkey off the table, yes. but, you know. Yeah. I mean, this was clearly written by a millennial. Yeah, drink what you like. <laughs> and then for the neighbor's, hol- uh, the neighbor's uh, holiday party, it's like, uh, you know, kick out the stops. You definitely want to impress. So they recommend taking champagne, which is, you know, you can't, like I said before, you can't you go can't go wrong. Yeah. So, um, and uh, pick one up that's over twenty dollars a bottle. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, if it's champagne, I'd say even. Do not over- bring the Corbell seven dollar bottle from Safeway. 
Don't do that. Yeah. If you, your, if, unless you want to make that impression. Yeah. Now nah, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have Splurge. to have to do a little work. Splurge. Yeah. Don't don't take the. Well, I sh- I'm not gonna say. <laughs> spend twenty. Spend twenty or thirty bucks and uh, do everybody a favor. Everyone will be happy. So uh, we got uh, we got. The, I think we got a little time for the bunker. Uh, or you want to go into uh, what did you say we should do? We should do a crime segment. Oh, yeah, I'm telling you, we get to crime segment. So we got this guy, Christian Lucas Garvin, is soul bang. What wine? What wine? What uh, vineyard was he? Orino, Orana Winery. Yep. Orana. Oriana. Yeah. So when they first found, when they first caught him, which I don't know, um, uh, I don't know when they actually got this guy. Long story short, one point two million in embezzlement. Now they're Damn. up to one point six. Yeah, it's one point six now. Yeah, they that's, a that's what they're per- presenting. So, uh, you know, so we had two business partners in LA and basically took this money from him. Yeah, the winery was doing actually pretty well. Um, you know, their their numbers were in the millions. You know, three to five million between uh, uh, 2006 and 2013. Uh, they had big buyers. Uh, Trader Joe's was one of their big buyers. And uh, the guys, I mean, he was a partner with these guys. Yeah. And uh, I guess he funneled the money through a couple of personal bank accounts. You know, that whole thing, you know, to get off on a side thing. You know, when you when you do accounting for some somebody, I don't think you're supposed to have personal accounts that go from the main account to your account. You know. So, you know, he negoti- he likely negotiated the deal with these guys where it was sort of hands-off investment. Yeah. You know, so he was, you know, they're not looking at the books. All I have to say, if you're in a joint venture of any sort or a- a- an investor, CPA, get audited. Yeah, yeah. It's like, cheap. Yeah, you got to have an independent person doing just, that. Just keep everybody <laughs> honest. I mean, these guys sort of... Um, so what the, the one article we had was basically covering the trial. They successfully got him labeled as a flight risk. Yeah. They're convinced to judge he's a flight risk. So he, man, this guy's going to jail. Well, yeah, he's, well, I don't, I don't know if he's out or not. I think he had, I know he had to surrender his passport. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's, <laughs> you know, he, he, but I think he's still in right now. I think he, I think he's still, I don't believe he's bailed out yet. Yeah. No, but, I mean, yeah. I mean, he's he. They got it. Yeah. What a mess. Um, yeah. Well, the reason I think they said that, I guess he has a girlfriend in like Australia. Yeah, or something. and he said that he wanted to go move to Australia, and so <laughs> you know. Anyway, there's and a then, lot of there's a lot of innuendo in this. Uh, you know, as you read through this article, and uh, you know, I mean, they bring up his past so that they can kind of uh, you know get his bail high. You know, he had a conviction for boating under the influence, um, had a, um, a wet reckless, uh, cocaine in his system when he got picked up one time. Uh, the prosecutor alluded to him having a heroin addiction. <laughs> they're kind of, if, if you're, if I'm looking at this, I'm just looking at like they're giving him ways to get out of not getting much time. <laughs> It's like they could say, hey, you know, he wasn't in control of what was going on. He was an addict, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, they may be trying to put a defense like that together, but I, I don't, you know. They're going to throw up the checks with his signature on it to the bank account that he faked. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. He's, he's, he's facing a lot of stuff. Uh, it says he's facing 52 years in prison uh, for 58 felony counts of embezzlement, money laundering, and tax fraud. The only thing that scares me of all of this is the tax fraud because that involves the IRS. <laughs> My gosh, yeah, no one's on their bad side. That's fe- that's federal, man. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, that's who's going to hurt you. Yeah, yeah, you, you don't you don't want to get on their bad side if they yeah. think that you've been taking money that they, that belongs to them. And the key term is belongs to them. Yeah, <laughs> you're in trouble. Yeah, it's not good. Not good. So uh, yeah, we so uh, as usual, we've got you know people doing bad things in the wine industry. Yeah, no, uh, you know more fraud and malfeasance. 
we'll just, so, we'll just keep I, it coming. But I think the the capper of, of of last week was the video from Bloomberg Business Week of the one point five billion dollar yes that's billion dollar twenty two football fields those are football pitches so soccer fields uh, space in England that used to be like some kind of former bunker. You got to watch the video, folks. Now, Al, you had a really good point as we were starting to talk today about this whole thing. Well, you know, they're talking about how secure their stuff is. And the guy's saying, uh, you know, it's 30 meters underground and we've got one and a half billion dollars worth of wine here. And, you know, here's the they show in the video, they actually show. You know, there's a little, there's like a little trolley or train that takes the wine in, and the only way to get down there is to take these elaborate, uh, like 176 steps or something. Some, so at some point the guy says, "Yeah, we this place is so secure, no one could really get in here and get out because of all the steps." And I'm thinking, why would you say that? Because <laughs> it's only going to make somebody want to come in there and take it what you have in there just to show that they could do it. You know, it's kind of like the old, uh, what's the show mission impossible. You know, he's painting this like it'd be impossible to get in here. I don't know if that's such a good idea. Yeah, I agree. One, one, one line of defense is always security through obscurity. Yes. I'm, I'm not saying it's a defense, but you know, discretion is always, discretion is always a key. It just made me wonder why they even had this. Why would he even do that? It's like you guys. It's you know, like it's also like a challenge. And of yeah. course, you would you would never try to break in here. You would just fake it like you're going to pick something up. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you would you would present yourself as a legitimate person waiting to get in here, and you would get in and you know haul out whatever you need to haul out. Yeah. So that little that little tiny train. It's 157 steps. To a dimly lit mine shaft. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Come on. Yeah, so uh, uh, check out the video, though. It's, it's pretty cool, the video. And uh, I love the guy standing there. He's, he's doing, looks like he's doing some inventory or something. He's got like a gas mask on. Because it was a munitions dump, uh, you have to wear a, 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 it's like a war museum, so you have to wear a gas mask. <laughs> so it's pretty, it's just great. Yeah. It's, you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. And, you know, only the English would have a billion, would have a um, a ginormous underground wine storage with a billion-dollar inventory. Yeah. Yeah, that's just really... Uh, that's very... That's so British, it's not funny. Yeah. Oh, boy. So, they, I mean, they've got all kinds of stuff in there. They have, even have ancient casts, not just cases. They have all kinds of weird stuff in there. So, anyway... Well, that's. Uh, I think that's a good way to end the show. It, yeah. Um, the only other Eddie have any drink anything this week worth mentioning? Oh uh, well, besides, I already mentioned uh, my wife's buy the other day the Coca Bone, but uh, no, that's, it's good. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's um. It's, Why don't uh, I mean it's good? To, I, it go try it, right? Well, it's a. It, it, Iron It's it's good in the way that. It's uh, it's I guess a, a wine uh, aficionado would call it spoofulated because it's uh, it's big and bold and it's uh, chocolatey and uh, it's uh, lots of vanilla. You know, it's uh, it's heavily manipulated, but it's it's a decent wine. It's eight bucks. It's not a vintage wine. It's just a red blend, and it's just this red blend California from it, Livermore. It is what it is. Yeah. Now I did have something that uh, I think I kind of returned to something that I had before. Mm. And it's uh, this is from my favorite people, uh, Ordonez uh, selections, Jorge Ordonez. Yeah. And it's the Borso 2013. They changed the label a little bit. I hadn't had the wine in a few years. I was really high on it not too long um, years ago. I was really high on it. It's just you know you find the wine, you like it, and then you just kind of move on. I revisited it, and uh, it's seven bucks a bottle. It's uh, it you know it's. It's rocking, dude. I'm going to buy some of this stuff again. <laughs> it's Garnacha is what it is. It's 100% Garnacha, and it's from uh, Spain. It's from the Borgia region. Borgia. And uh, I would definitely uh, 
I would def. I mean, that's uh, that's a well spent seven bucks. Um, bright uh, red fruit. Uh, it's it's pretty intense. Um, I just really, I, I I was so surprised at how good it was because it was in a stacker case, and I said, shoot, I haven't tried that. I haven't tried that wine in a while. Let me just give it a try, and uh, I'm glad I did. My favorite bottle um, of the week is. Uh, uh, Mascherelli. I don't know if I mentioned this last week or not. Did I? Don't remember. Yeah, it's uh, made by uh, uh, it's Mascherelli. It's uh, Marina Shep- Sheptic, I believe that's how you say it. It's a 2010, and uh, this might have been on the Wine Spectator Top 100 last year. I'm not sure, but uh, boy, what a it's it's Montepulciano d'Abruzzo. Um, so it's over there off the Adriatic coast of Italy. Uh, right, uh, uh, a black fruit. Um, it's got a, a real, uh, a heavy dose of licorice. Um, it's, uh, pretty intense. Uh, boy, it's, it's a, a meat lover's, um, wine for sure. I have, uh, it's, it's not, it's pretty, pretty good price on it too. It's like 23 bucks. Uh, but it's well worth a try if you want to taste what uh, Montepulciano D'Abruzzo tastes like. It's had a little bit of uh, new wood put to it. Because typically you'll see them, and they're just done in tank, and uh, they're, they're not really aged in barrels. But uh, that's, a, that's a nice bottle. What have you had that's uh, of note? Um, not a lot. You've been drinking beer, or you've been working too hard? Mostly having a beer. Um at night um last week i was traveling for work so there wasn't a lot of uh um i'm just looking something up here um yeah hard hard to travel when uh hard to travel and uh and and, uh analyze and have wine when you're probably uh working also yeah i mean it's not a uh i mean it's not impossible but of course I, I got it pretty good. My boss likes to eat out, so he was here for a couple of days last week, so it was all good. Oh, that's <laughs> that's uh, that's awesome. So I'll tell you what uh, we have been drinking wine wise, or I have been drinking wine wise. Um, there's a, uh, uh, a Brian Kasuge's um, the shop. Oh yeah, so, you were tell, you were you were talking I, about that. Did I mention this on the podcast? I don't know, but it's. I a, think uh, you did. Yeah. All right. So we, I, I, um, it's a, it's a $35 a bottle of wine and it's just, it's a really nice Pinot. It's a Carneros Pinot too. So it's not like a, a ginormous fruit bomb, you know, it's just a, it's a more earthy Pinot, uh, mm-hmm. based on where the grapes are grown. Gotcha. Um, and Brian is a pretty minimalist, uh, winemaker. So, the other thing I want to mention is uh, we have a, a, a friend of ours, uh, Pat Nittle, who's off running a cidery now in uh, uh, Humboldt called Wrangletown Cider. So she just uh, was successful in her Kickstarter campaign. She's going to get her bottling machine, and uh, she's off to the races. She also makes really good wine, and she's worked with Brian before, Kasuge. So, good for um, Pat. Haven't seen her in ages. Yeah. So, um, she's up in Humboldt, you said, right? Yeah. in Humboldt in Arcata, she's or in, uh, freshwater, I think for people that don't live in our area, where's Humboldt? Ah, sorry. Northern California. It is smack in the middle of the Emerald Triangle. There we go. So it is going to be, as soon as it's all legal, it's going to be more known for that probably than wine. But there's, uh, you know, as we talked before, there's sort of this migration of different crops, um, um, or uh, throughout California and up into Washington, you know, Sebastopol used to be known for hop growing that kind of moved up into Lake County and then further north and then into Oregon and then eventually in Washington and offshore. Apples are have always been a crop that has grown well in sort of this climate in the Northern California climate. So she's managed to find some um, like heirloom um, apple orchards and be able to, uh, you know, basically ferment from them. So cider, uh, like beer can have a larger, um, flavor profile or a more diverse flavor profile. Cause you can put more ingredients and all this stuff. 
You can also manipulate it a little bit differently. So it, uh, she's making some really interesting, I actually had an opportunity to taste her, uh, um, I was in Arcata earlier this summer or earlier in the year and had an opportunity to taste her cider. So it's not the cider you think in terms of like a sweet fermented apple juice. It's, uh, a lot drier and, uh, yeasty. So it's, uh, give it a try if you see it, Wrangletown cider, but good, good for Pat. Right? Yeah. And, uh, yes, op- and it, cider is actually, you know, a nice little, Thing to have with the Thanksgiving meal, also. I mean, you don't have to have wine. Ciders would be great with some of the dishes that are on the table for Thanksgiving. Really traditional. Yeah. Uh, this is, uh, you know, a few, I don't know, a few, many family has history where the family made cider, hard cider. Um, it was fairly easy to ferment. And um, the first cider makers were women. That I didn't know. They were the ladies of the house. Yeah, usually the women, they, they, they're in charge of everything anyway. They, they did the cooking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyway, um, check it out, Wrangletown Cider. That's all I got. Um, find us at uh, twitter.com slash vino101net. Find us at vino101net.com. Um, we've got a Facebook page. Like us on our Facebook page. Give us some likes. Um, but most importantly, tell your friends, and thanks for listening. Yes. Cheers to that. Cheers. Cheers.